0: Hello and welcome back to The Dentistry Podcast. Um, I'm Gabby Bisset, and I'm here today with Kabir Ahmed, um, Commercial Manager at Wesleyan. Um, so a few weeks ago, uh, there was a, a result of a case, a landmark case uh, that was released and sort of sent waves through the dental profession, I think, and I was hoping we could have a conversation about it today. Um, so, Breakinbury versus the Crowd case. What were your first thoughts when you read this landmark judgment?
1: Um, I think the first thoughts were unfair, um, but being an insurance broker, I think uh, I wasn't surprised. Uh, Dr. Crowe served his community and patients with utmost professional care, mm. um, and he is now retired and facing something that could damage his legacy and mm. also leave him in financial ruin uh, for actions of treatment carried out by someone else. So I think, yeah, in that instance, it's unfair, but not really surprised, um, I suppose, Because of this sort of, um, how should I put it, Uh, Mm -hmm. sort of grey area between vicarious liability, who is responsible for a claim and who isn't, um, and where does an associate or a contractor's liability. and where does it fall as the practice owner okay. um, I mean l- l- let's not get away from the fact that patients should be compensated for treatments which are, have been incorrectly provided mm. uh, but somewhere something has gone wrong I guess in this uh, case
0: okay I mean I'm not particularly well versed in in this kind of thing um, so I was hoping you might be able to help me out a little bit yeah. with sort of the um, so sort of the ins and outs and maybe the history behind it so is this something that was sort of a long time coming do you think this was something that was going to sort of happen at some point um
1: i think yes i mean dentistry uh, or the dental industry works slightly different to um, other industries um when it comes to liability coverage so if you imagine um what i'd like to call most industries is either it's a servicing industry if you like Mm. which i'd class dentists to be so if you imagine a lawyer's uh, sort of industry, so they offer advice, they could get something wrong and, uh, and therefore their clients could sue them on the back of it for getting that wrong. Yeah. If I put that in comparison to dentists, it's a similar thing where they're doing the treatment, it could go wrong and then the patients could sue the, the, the uh, dentist, if you like. Where the lawyers differ, the lawyers have what's called an overarching uh, indemnity cover, which covers the whole practice or the business. So which means anybody working within that, um, whether they leave uh, leave that company, leave the firm, um, if that claim comes back to the firm, that's covered by their indemnity insurance. The dental industry works slightly different where the associates or uh, the contractors uh, like Hygienists and anybody else contracted um, are, are getting their own cover of indemnity insurance. Um, and then you'll have an overall, you'll have a separate policy for the practice owner, which gives little bit of vicarious liability, um, and that's where the issue is because you've got several different types of policies playing at once, um, and it's difficult to sort of work out who's at fault and who's not. And then you've got the other issue of if a dentist, uh, associate a dentist, that you've he, who's contracted to you but then leaves, moves away, leaves the country, at worst passes away, then who's really liable uh, for the patient's uh, malpractice? Um, so that that's where the, the sort of problem arose in this particular case the case was really focused on uh, what they call a non-deligible duty of care uh, which the court found existed between the patient and Dr. Crowe. Um, in other words basically um, the, the associates did the treatment which is fine but the customer actually came to Dr. Crowe's practice uh, to have uh, some sort, of, sort of treatment and obviously the the associate did the treatments uh, over a length of time Mm. the legal defense was against uh, going after Dr. Court A because uh, he was obviously the practice owner I think financially they felt that he could pay more rather than going after somebody they could may or may not find in the end Um, and therefore the court ruled uh, in favor of the the, the patient because of this non-deligible duty of care Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: and that's basically what's happened. Um, Now, when it comes to Dr. Crowe, well, how is he going to pay for this? Because these legal costs, and it's still ongoing, it could end up being sort of uh, in the hundreds and thousands of pounds. Um, And, you know, he's in his late 70s and it's an awful thing to happen. Um, And it's almost like he's left alone now. Where does Mm -hmm. he turn to? Does he turn to his defence organisation who really wouldn't be able to cover? Does he go to insurance where he probably hasn't had the cover? yeah um and then of, of course you've got the court cases going through
0: so obviously all that you've said just there can be quite alarming i guess for dental professionals um to hear um i know there was there was a lot of chatter on um among the professionals sort of on social media about it and what this this means for dentists and their teams so what what implications does it carry
1: um Well, first and foremost, I fear this will now set precedent for others to bring up claims. Mm. Um, So there will be some patients who rightfully claim, um, and there will be some that may try their luck, luck, dare I say it. Mm. Uh, It will also put the ears of medical negligence solicitors to be proactively seeking out patients. Pretty much like if you think, uh, I don't know if, if... if our sort of viewers remember the whole whiplash claim when it came to the things, you know, there were genuine claims and rightly people should have been compensated. But on the back of that, we've heard stories of falsified claims. Um, and unfortunately, it's a society we live in, these things could happen. Um, so that's probably an implication. And I suppose either way, whether someone's trying their luck or actual, you know, is a genuine claim, mm. this can be cost, costly and a lot of stress for these dentists and practice owners.
0: So yeah, as I said, people people might be quite anxious um, to to hear of this judgment uh, and be sort of a bit worried about what this might mean for them in the future, and if any patients might bring up something that's happened in the past. Um, what would you say to those who are who are perhaps quite worried now? Is there anything you could do to sort of make sure that they sort of remain level headed? I guess <laughs> <in the> situation.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think it's, it's a. Very good question, but it's very difficult to Mm. sort of alleviate a lot of the worries. Um, So, I mean, claims for treatments uh, that have been carried out in the past and often many years ago, uh, many indemnity cover supports treatment carried out uh, out by the insured, like the dentist and associates. But when it comes to vicarious liability and where proven non-deligible duty of care exists, unfortunately, practice owners may be left vulnerable to these claims. I think all practice owners can do is look at the indemnity coverage they have right now, look at the contracts in place with associates because they will have, I mean many will have standard con- contracts through I don't know the BDA and other forms um, and then speak to the indemnity provider they're with mm. and then also depending on who they are so if they're with a defence organisation speak to, speak to them first and then also look to speak to an insurance broker for some guidance and okay. um, and it might be also worth getting some legal representation to have a look over uh, the contracts that are with uh, these, sort of, um, whether it be an associate, a hygienist, a nurse, whoever you, you've got those contracts with. And also not to forget things like, and obviously, they will have specialist equipment that they, be, uh, they, they will purchase. There may be faulty ones, they may be wrong. So how does that impact? So think about those things, because you know a, a dentist is as good as his, uh, sometimes his tools, like the tools are not white and they're not known to it well who's going to be held liable the patient won't really care who it is they will go after the dentist well actually it's not dentist's fault so it's about looking at all the scenarios how treatment is provided and making sure if something goes wrong i know who is responsible yeah
0: yeah absolutely i think probably it's it's alerted teams um to check these things i guess in a way i think it's quite easy perhaps to um not necessarily prioritise um, these sort of reviews, I guess, of your indemnity cover and insurance and things like that, because it's quite easy to just—I don't know—it's—it's—it's it's, it's easy to to um, not sort of fear something if it hasn't happened to you. Um, but this, I guess, what what it has shown is that this has now happened, and obviously it sets a precedent. And then going forward, it means that, like you, you said earlier, so other people could follow suit and 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 carry out similar claims. Um, do you think this will change the way that dentists work? Or do you think it will change anything about the profession going forward?
1: Um, I'd like to think it's not going to change the actual treatment that they're, they're going to provide because you know dentists are well-respected professionals and they do a great job. Um, you In any business, any walks of life, there's always one somewhere, something's gone wrong, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and really... Uh, if we fear sort of something going wrong, then we wouldn't be doing the jobs that we do or they wouldn't be doing certainly what, what it is. So I don't think it will change the way they treat. I think what will be more um, prominent and I'd like, I'd hope it is that dentists or particularly practice owners are a bit more cautious. Um, that they, uh, When I say that, that they will ask more questions when, uh, when it comes to. The risks that they are uh, they have, or the liability claims that could arise. Mm. So it's almost looking at your policies, making sure it is right, it is what it says it's going to do, and if there is any gaps, identify that and go back to uh, whoever the provider is and ask them questions. Um, I'd like to think they'll be more open to looking at contract certain policies, and what I mean by that is look at insurance policy where it's not just discretionary really is an option or also contract certain policies as an option and really work out which is right for them. I wish I could stand here and say, this one's better than the other. Both have their advantages and disadvantages. um, And it really boils down to the risk appetite of the individual. Um, There there is also something sort of in the background, um, I'm fairly sure most dentists or the dental industry will be aware of that. There's a government consultation looking into negligence claims um it's similar to what has been introduced uh in the the gp world or the gp clinical negligence scheme Uh so it's like an indemnity cover for gps providing patient care Um, however if the government do decide that's something for the dentist then it will more likely be for nhs patients which still leaves our private patient dentists uh to think about insurance um so yeah, it's going to add more costs to their sort of bottom line if you like to purchase a proper cover. Yeah. Uh, but then when you think about the defence costs and things like that, it, I Doesn't would probably say it's worth considering.
0: If you're saying that um, Dr Crowde here, you know, he's been going you know, to rack up thousands of pounds of debt as a result of it, um, it comparatively, I guess, it might seem like a, a minor inconvenience um, if it's to avoid these the, the possibility of these, these bigger outgoings, um, which could, I guess you know, you run the risk of, of, of having to pay that. Um, so what are the, the three messages that you would suggest listeners take away from, from this podcast today?
1: Um, I think the first, first thing is do the due diligence, which is uh, mm. ensure all uh, contractual worker uh, workers, i.e. associates, hygienists, nurses, whoever's got their own indemnity cover, make sure they have got it in place. Um, And then also have a conversation with them to identify who is responsible for what if things go wrong. Um, And the next thing thing to do is put that in the contracts and have it it there so you've got something clear. Um, So that's the first thing, so do the due diligence. Um, Second, I'd probably say speak to um, the defence organisation and an insurance broker about indemnity cover. Um, As I said earlier, um no one is better than the other you know in defense organization on the main a discretionary policy which basically means uh you're covered for everything but they will decide when you put the claim through whether they're going to pay out or not and then you've got insurance on the flip side of it will set out what you're covered for at the offset but unfortunately at the end of it there might be something new coming in there so one is good and one is bad but it's the flip uh, flipped around as well so there's no you know right or wrong answer this is down to the individuals um and i think for practice owners uh which is the final one uh, is to consider having an overarching practice cover um so think about having a policy where they do like a i think they call it a corporate policy or a practice level policy where you cover obviously the main principle then you've got your hygienist your nurses within that you've got employed dentists self-employed dentists or associates and you can have one overarching policy yes you'd have to pay for that but um i don't know you could off- offset that against um associates having to buy their own and almost contribute tools. this could be one way around it um but have, uh, considering an overarching policy will be a good way because that will then protect you your business and you'll know what you're covered for you'll know what you're not covered for um, so uh, that that would be
0: a, a, one way to go there's a bit of peace of mind i guess going forward
1: that's it uh, and, and that's it that's what you want is, is the peace of mind so you know you've kind of uh, as a dentist owner you, you've you've built your practice hopefully you'd want to grow that business uh, uh, as you go over the years and, uh, and you want to retire at the end of it uh, so, so sort of well you know you'll have a successful sort of uh, working life and you want to retire making sure everything is in place and nobody's going to come and touch your nest egg if you like uh, yeah. um, and i suppose having that right insurance yeah. cover will give you that protection um, yeah. yes it adds a bit of cost to the bottom line but you know like with anything whether it's car insurance home insurance yeah. you know we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow but at least we're, we're getting it protected
0: yeah absolutely no definitely um thank you so much for for coming on today to talk about that Uh, it's been some yeah I think a lot of people's questions would have been answered by um what you've been speaking about so thank you um uh, yeah for taking the time out of your day to chat
1: thank you very much